Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord. It is what you've said about us in the scripture that we believe. And Lord, that has become our experience and forever will be our experience. Thank you, Lord. We are ready to receive from you the very words that you speak unto us. Spirit of the living God, we bless you. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Give the Lord a mighty hand. I don't know how to show exactly how I feel. Can be here to tell you all your love has meant and love for one is there a way to show the passion in my heart can I express Truly great, I think you are my dearest friend. Lord, this is my desire.
What does God want? What truly does God want? There are many suggestions. Many things people think God wants. If you remember very well, I began with what the preacher said in the book of Ecclesiastes. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15, he said, God requireth that which is past. That which hath been is now. And that which shall be. He said that which has been is now. And that which is to be hath already been. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15. He said that which hath been is now. And that which is to be hath already been. And God required that which is past. Like I said, I began with telling you that there's a mystery that especially every young person should know. That you are not about to do anything new. You are not about to do anything extraordinary that has not been seen before. We are not going to look for new ways to impress God. We are not to find new ways to please God. He said that which has been is now. He said the ones that have been, he said they are the ones we are seeing now. Then he says that which is to be had already been. Then he says God requireth that which is past. So when you look at, if you want to know what God wants, you have to go into history to know what God wants. God requires that which is past. In the Bible, you will see many times, many things that the scripture will say that God requires this, God loves this, God does this. Those things will give you cues into who God is and how to establish your love relationship with God. I told you from the beginning, from the onset, that many things that we call love today is no, is our extended selfishness. It is not love. Because love, the Bible says, is not self-seeking. Love is always looking out for the partner or the object of love. Always looking out for the object of love. Not really considering himself as it were. So, he said that which has been is, is now and that which has been already been. He said, and God required that which is past. If you want to know what God wants, you will go into history. So we went into history and we found a man that God vouched for. God testified of. God spoke about. God said, this guy, when it comes to this guy, this guy understands me. This guy loves me. This guy, it is, it is evident that this guy, his heart is after me. So he said, David is a man after my own heart. You should see the kind of things that God said concerning David. It will let you know that God is not one hawk sitting on a throne in heaven. You know, just looking at everybody with hard emotions. No, God is looking for those who love him. Go to Isaiah chapter 66, verse 2. He said, for all those things that my hand made and all those things have been, said the Lord. But to this man will I look. God is speaking. He said, but to this man will I look. That means if 100 people are gathered and all of them are praying or all of them are asking for something, God will not look at all of them. If God is to choose one, he said, this is the criteria by which he will select one. He said, to this man will I look. When you hear the word favor, all right, the word favor, 
Favor means favorite. Favorite means he had to choose out of a couple of people. So what is responsible for knowing who God favors, what God calls favorite? The person that says, that, oh, this one, I can vouch for him. He says that for all those things that my hand made and all those things have been, said the Lord. But to this man will I look. This person, God will have favor upon that person. This person, God will give grace to that person. This person, God will love that person. This person, God will be good to that person. He said, even to him, that is poor and of a contract heart. Now, when he says poor, the contract heart is not say he's not saying someone who is actually poor. He's talking about the state of the man's heart. The man's heart, he has what we call a broken and contrite heart. He said, Poor and contrite spirit. He says, and what? And trembleth at my word. That is why on the first day I told you, I said three things. You pay attention to prophecy. You pay attention to instruction. But it will not be complete until you pay attention to the fear of the Lord. Because God said, unto this man will I look. He said, the one who trembles at my word. That means when this person hears that this thing is coming from God, immediately he makes a U-turn. Immediately, he accepts it. He said, the one that trembles at my word. That, you know, there are some people, they are not moved by anything that is from God. You see, like uh, I met uh, one guy sometime, and we were sitting down, and while we sat and we were talking, and I, he was referring to somebody, and I said, leave it alone, he is a man of God. Then he said, me, I'm an animal of God. That is not a broken child of God. No broken child of God talks that way. Because the scripture says, that trembleth at my word. There are people that God's word have mentioned that they are men of God. And God said, for those people, he said, touch not. Touch not with your pen. Touch not with your mouth. Touch not through gossip. Touch not with your keypad. Touch not with Twitter. Touch not with Instagram. And someone said, oh, I will sort it. Nothing will happen to me. Yes, nothing will happen to you. That's the truth. Because God is not a hawk looking for people to kill. Nothing will happen to you. Oh, if nothing will happen to me, then we move. No, we don't move. Over there, something has happened in your spirit that has taken you out of the favor of God. When anything happens and it's time for judgment, God will sacrifice you. I'm telling you. Study the scriptures. Because you have gone out of favor with God. Why? Because you do not tremble at his word. During last year, during the lockdown, churches were meeting online. Some people have not gone on site since it went online. Oh, churches in your heart. Let me tell you something. The fact that a celebrity says something doesn't mean it is true or it is wise. A lot of the time, even that thing that is popular is not wise. Because during that time, everybody now had opinion. Oh, it's good. Let's stay in the houses. Church is not a building. Church is in your heart. I don't want to preach to me that church is in my heart. Let me tell you something. Why, if church is in our heart and everything is heart, spirit, heart, why would Jesus land again in Jerusalem? In the millennial reign, Jesus is supposed to come back to Jerusalem. Why not Choco? Because, isn't it in our heart? Then some people ignorantly will say, oh, in those times, the churches were in the houses. It is true, but it's not true. The churches truly were in houses like cells. But they were coming together to congregate. That is why we have the church of Corinthians. The church at Corinth. In the New Testament, people went to fellowship together. But today, woke Christian is saying that you don't need to go to church. You can pray in your house. Who has said that we are doing prayer collection in church? In the beginning of your Christianity, I'm telling you this. In the beginning of your Christianity, 
a lot of the things will be by feelings. You felt like praying, you will pray. You felt like reading the Bible, you will read. You felt like going for sowing, you will win. In the beginning of Christianity, a lot of the things you will do, they will be by feelings. And God himself will be the one to stir the feelings inside you. At a point, the feelings will stop and you will think you are backsliding. You are not backsliding. At that point, God wants you to move away from feeling into knowing you are supposed to do it. Imagine if we have to feel like wearing dress. No, talk to me. Imagine if we want to feel like wearing dress. Because if you come to our room in the time we are sleeping, you know the true state of our mind. We don't really want to wear the dress. But when you start growing, you realize that me wearing the dress, one, it is for me to look good, but two, it is not only for me. Because there's a society that I cannot take some things to. So at that time, you have come to a place of knowledge. You have come to maturity. You begin to consider your surrounding. You begin to consider another person. So when it comes to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, when it comes to the things that, have to, that pertain to God, he said, unto this man will I look, that trembleth at my word. That trembleth at my word. When it comes to the spirit of the fear of the Lord, that is one part you shouldn't get wrong. I told people, I said, in school, when you make mistake in elective subjects, you can still go to the next level. Not with the core. If you fail the core, you are rewriting. So with God, there are things that are core. There are things that are electives. I'll say it again. Marriage is an elective. It is not a core. It's an elective. Having a child is an elective. But pastor please. I write in Genesis, it's a wisdom fruitful and multiply. That shows me that you don't understand the new covenant in which you are. In the Old Testament, credit was given them for giving birth to a lot. In Egypt, when, when they were giving birth, that was, more, in fact, Pharaoh was afraid because the Israelites were giving birth a lot. Because those times, it is how many children you are able to give birth to. That becomes the manpower with which you will have a field. So, a man who can have more children will have maybe more prosperity. So, those times, they went to breeding. So, in Egypt, Pharaoh was afraid. They entered Egypt. Israel entered Egypt as 70 men. They came back 6 million. So, he said, the child birth was not a joke. Small thing, Pia. Small thing, Pia. One woman, 12 children. One, 23. That's two teams. They can play Has and Kotoko. But in the New Testament, nobody was credited for giving birth. Brother, you hear, and the Lord added to the church. So in the New Testament, to be fruitful and multiply is so winning. Am I saying you will not give birth? I said it's an elective. Elective too, it adds to the score at the end of the day. But core, if you fail core subjects, you're rewriting it doesn't matter how many elective, if you pass, pass elective, A, 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 get one call F, what will happen? You're not going to school. Eh? Are you not failing? Get all elective A, so some people, marriage A, childbirth A, what again? Business A. Then they come to the call, salvation F, you're going to hell. One of the core that has to do with God, because I told you yesterday, I was, I was comparing Saul and David for you. What, what I told you, Saul, every time we are preaching about Saul, is something bad. What at all did Saul do? Saul did not make half the mistakes of David. Saul did not make half the mistakes of David. Let me tell you something. You know what he said in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 15. Go back there. He said, what? <laughs> Whatsoever had been. He said, that which had been is now. And that which had already been. And God. And that which is to be had already been. And God required that which was. Let me tell you something. In the Bible, there are different scriptures. Hmm? 
you will choose the one you fulfill. Judas did not know that betraying Jesus was putting himself in a scripture. That scripture was that let his bishop break another man take. Judas didn't know that when he was stealing small, small from Jesus' purse, he was actually positioning himself to fulfill a certain scripture. Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. How is it that Judas is in hell and Peter became an apostle? All mistakes are not the same. So, so Bonibia, it's not true. Jesus Christ asked a question in the book of John. He said, who had the greater sin? There's a greater one. Saul's problem was from his heart. Because someone told him, he said, when you were small in your own eyes, you did what was right in the sight of the Lord. It means God had seen the heart of Saul. Saul had become proud. One day, Saul carried all the priests and killed them. The day Saul did something wrong. Listen, the day Saul did something wrong and someone came to say that, Saul, what you have done is wrong. He said, you know what? I know it's wrong, but don't let the people see. Saul was so concerned about his status. Don't let the people see that I'm wrong. No, no, no. Come, come, we'll do it on the side. Rebuke me on the side. Let the people, let the people see. When he went to sacrifice, when he was not supposed to sacrifice, and someone asked him, it did not pertain to you to do this. He said, ah, the people told me. So, Saul was always, you know, always thinking of. The days David made a mistake and he was told. He didn't say somebody did it. He didn't say the lady tempted me. He said, God, I have made a mistake. There was a day, the Bible says that the devil inspired Saul or incited Saul to count Israel. And he was not supposed to count Israel. Why? Because God had told Israel that there will be a city without walls. So he was not supposed to count Israel. Bible says the devil moved him to count Israel. When he counted Israel, God brought him three options. What kind of punishment did you want? He told, he told, he said, God, these people have done nothing. I'm the one. Deal with me. Where Saul made his mistake was a core. That was the problem. That which had been is now. And that which is to be had already been. The life we are living right now, if we go into that which is past, that is the scripture. If we go into that which is past, we will learn something. We will know in whose footsteps we are walking. We will know whether we are walking Judas Iscariot's footsteps. Whether we are walking in Reuben's footsteps. What's Reuben's footsteps? He went to sleep with his father's wife. He disregarded his father. He dishonored his father. When it was time for... And to, to be frank with you, Reuben was not a bad guy. Reuben was not a bad guy. When you see at the time they wanted to sell Joseph, look at what Reuben said. He's not a bad guy. But that one mistake he made, dishonoring his father, at the time Jacob was about to bless them, he looked at him. He said, unstable as water, you shall not excel. Till date, you never hear anything from Reubenites. He said, you're unstable as water, you shall not excel. That is where he made his error. So, God required that with his past. And we look at David. Yesterday we talked about number one, his passion, his love for God. Passionate about God. Passionate about God. My mom is here, she will tell you. Many times I walk to church. And, and I'm not, I'm not even asking God, God, when will you give me a car? So I will walk. I will walk. Because I remember I've walked to Glen, I've, I've walked to Glen visit a girl before. I've walked. He said, Love is as strong as death. How much more walking? And I'm walking, I'm walking to church with my oversized suit. I'm not looking for anything from God. And I'm walking, singing, walking, walking. Now get to church. And since I walk to church, you know that I'll definitely walk back. I walk back home. It's passion. Love. True love for God. True love for God. I cannot, I cannot be somewhere and people are talking against God and I'll not say something. I cannot. If I get to a place, why are you talking about my lover? 
David said, the reproach of those that reproach thee, he said, is falling upon me. He said, if anybody insults God, it's as, the insult has touched me. Some Christians say, you know, everybody and their opinion, let's stay in our lane. This is your thinking. What they start talking about God, about church, about somebody's church, it doesn't have to be my church. You're talking about another church, and it's in, in the circumference of where I have power, like in my house. I'll open the door for you. I said, please, please. This place, we don't do that here. Oh, you are too low. Yes. You can't solve God in my presence. You can't solve the things of God in my presence. Some of you will balance and listen. Mm-hmm. Only God knows the true churches. Me, my church is a true church. Let me tell you, when you allow them to talk about another church, they are coming for your church. They've just not told you they are coming for your church. One day, they will open their mouth. So for me, I'm never, I'm never, I'm never moved when people are talking about another man of God. One time, somebody came to me thinking he will, he will score points with me. He will score points with me for talking against, I don't know if I should mention his name, for talking against Obinim. You know, some of you are thinking, ah, is he a man of God? How's that your business? Do, do you have the instrument for measuring who a man of God is? Man of God, Omita. Do you have it? Man of God, Omita. Do you have some? Oh, there, there are things he does. He, he's a false prophet. If you were in the day of Jesus Christ and you saw him spitting into sand, you would say he's a false prophet. I don't, me, once I cannot, I don't have the man of God, Omita. And I cannot tell who is man of God. Let me just avoid talking about it altogether. Because I know the devil's strategy. When he takes James and everybody's quiet, he's coming for Peter. He's talking about another pastor. And probably even a false prophet. While they're talking about against the false prophet, they know. They're checking. Who? Who will talk? Who will talk? Okay. Who will talk? Nobody's talking. Fine, fine. Then they will now go. They will now go. Take another person. Nobody's talking. Then all Christians are doing. Oh, oh. Yes. Those pastors, they are bad. They are coming for the real ones. They are coming for the real ones. Even Jesus said, let the wheat and the tares grow together. He said, because if you are trying to approve the tares with the wheat, he said, you approve the wheat. And now, fake men of God. Anytime you see fake, it means there is real. Because if there is no real, fake is real. You didn't get it. You cannot have counterfeit without having original. You will need original to tell that this is counterfeit. So, in, in the attempt of people to blow off the fake, what is happening is that they are now piercing the real. How do we know who to follow? Who is a man of God? God will give you discerning eyes to know who to follow. Not everybody is your man of God. What does God want? We look at, we look at David's passion. We look at his prayers, his praise, and his plans for God. Let me dip in from his plans for God. Oh, David had plans for God. I've never seen anybody who, who thinks like this. His plans for God. Saul, oh, Saul. Now everything bad, Saul. Saul, all Saul thought about. <laughs> Saul was a very interesting king. You know why he wanted to kill David? Because Saul knew that if he doesn't kill David, he will not be able to get Jonathan to be the heir. So all Saul thinking about his dynasty. How? From generation to generation, say Saul's children, Saul's children, Saul's children. Saul was thinking about his dynasty. He was not thinking about what God wants. Like some Christians, always in church, they are thinking about their business. Any prophecy that comes, I receive my business. Sometimes God looks at your heart. He knows that he is not there. It's your business that is there. God told Saul, he said, I will give you an everlasting dynasty. But the guy was so obsessed with becoming, you know, king with, you know, his successes, thinking about Jonathan. 
And for you to know that really he was not even thinking about Jonathan was that one time Jonathan said David will be king. He nearly killed Jonathan. I thought that's the person you were trying to save the throne for. He had become a mad king. Oh, so. Nevertheless, David one time in 2 Samuel chapter 7, it's going to be a long read, but I'm going to read it. I want you to see it. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. That the king, talking about David, said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in an house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Now my question is, how is this guy thinking? The guy is just lying down and he begins to think, I dwell in a house with cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. Continue. And Nathan said to the king, Go, do all that is in thine heart, for the Lord is with thee. And it came to pass that night, that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan saying, Go and tell my servant David. Let me tell you, it's not everybody God says is my servant. There are people they say, oh me, I'm a servant of God. There are just a few people God say that this one is my servant. Go and tell my servant David, thus said the Lord, shall thou build me a house for me to dwell in? He said, whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel out of Egypt, even to this day, but have walked in a tent and in a tabernacle. In all the places wherein I have walked with all the children of Israel, spake I a word with any of the tribes of Israel, whom I commanded to feed my people Israel, saying, Why build ye not me an house of cedar? Now therefore, so shalt thou say unto my servant David, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, I took thee from the sheep coats, from following the sheep, to be ruler over my people, over Israel. And I was with thee, whithersoever thou wentest, and have cut off all thy enemies out of thy sight, and have made thee a great name, like unto the name of the great men that are in the earth. Moreover, I will appoint a place for my people Israel, and I will plant them, that they may dwell in a place of their own, and move no more. Neither shall the children of wickedness afflict them any more, as before time. And as since the time that I commanded judges to be over my people Israel, and have caused thee to rest from all thy en- enemies, also the Lord telleth thee that he will make thee a house. So you see, as David was thinking, I'm going to build God a house. Why is God in there? God was provoked. I told you. I said when David was dancing, God behaved like he was not hearing. Oh God, what are the thoughts that arise in your heart when it comes to the things of God? God is hearing them. God is hearing. The Bible says that, say not in thine heart. That means your heart can say. Your heart can say. What are the thoughts that arise in your heart? Jesus Christ asked the Pharisees. He said, why do these thoughts arise in your heart? There are thoughts that arise in people's heart. This is the thoughts that arose in David's heart. He was thinking, I'm living in a house of cedar, but God's ark is in a tent. Oh God. Oh God. How is this man relating with God like this? How is he thinking like this? He said, I'm living in a house of cedar. And when God saw it, God was moved. And God said, Nathan, go and tell David. He said, when I brought the children of Israel out of Egypt... Nobody built me a house. You are the first person to think like this. He said, because of that, now I will build you a house. If David had built God a house, by this time it would have been destroyed by now. So when God is telling David that I will build you a house, God is not telling you I'll build you a physical house because God does not deal with bricks, bricks and blocks. God deals with eternal things. When God said he will build David a house, he built David an eternal dynasty. So much so that in the millennial reign, David will still become king again. So today we are talking about the faithfulness of David to God. That was an everlasting house. When Jesus Christ comes, he will go to the city of David. Jesus was called the son of David. God was so pleased with David. So many things. I mean, okay, go to verse 12. And when thy days be fulfilled, and thou shalt sleep with thy fathers. God is telling David about his death. 
He said, I will set up thy seed after thee, which shall proceed out of thy boils, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build an house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. Now, this is Solomon. Now, because of what David did, listen, because of what David did, just that thought, just that thought, God looks and says, because of that, me to have put my hand on Solomon. I've put my hand on Solomon. I've put my hand on Solomon. Solomon has not been born at this time, but God said, he shall be my son. Ladies and gentlemen, there are things you are doing in your life today. You are not the only one who's going to enjoy it, but the seed after you. God will look upon you and take his, put his hand on your child. That child will be growing. He will not understand why he's so protected, why he's so loved. It's because of the sacrifices that his mother and father made. He said, if he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the children of men. But my mercy shall not depart away from him as I took it from Saul, whom I put away before thee. And thy house and thy kingdom shall be established forever before thee. Thy throne shall be established forever. Now hold on there. If all this happened when David wanted to build God a house, that shows how important a house is to God. Go to the book of Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. I'll start from verse 3. Ah, Kalosake brothers. Anytime I read this scripture, man, I'm inspired. He said, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste? No. You need to know the history of this particular one. The history of this particular thing is that at this time, God, they had gone to Israel, the, the, the exile. Israel had gone into exile. And they were out for a long time. Now they came back into Israel. When they came back to the land, they built their houses home. When God released them from exile and they came back into the land, they built their houses. They left the temple. They left the house of God. And God said, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses and God's house lieth waste? These guys didn't understand love. Everything was about them. Oh God, help us to prosper. Oh God, help us to be this. Oh God, help us to be that. But they never thought of God. They built their houses. They left God's house. Continue. Now therefore, say the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Verse 6. You have sown much. Now this is what happens to them because they never thought of God. He said, you have sown much and bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag of holes. You will see efforts, efforts, efforts. Because they're not thinking about God. They're not thinking about God. We are still arguing in the body of Christ. We are still arguing about tight today. Today we are still arguing about tight. Verse seven. Thus saith the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house. And I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified. See the Lord. That means a house is important to God. A house is important to God. But there's a problem somewhere. I want you to follow me now. There's a problem somewhere. God said he needs a house. What does God want? He said he needs a house. He told them that he needs a house. He needs a house. He needs a house. He needs a house to stay in. He needs a house to stay in. He said, the people, he said, David, David, you thought that you would give me a house. Just because you thought you would give me a house, okay, I will now give you a house. And he came to the, the children of Israel in the book of Haggai. You people didn't think about my house. He said, that's why everything around you is destroying. Why? That means God is particular about a house. He needs a house to stay in. God is thinking. I don't know what's going through your mind right now. God is thinking of a house. 
God is thinking of a house. He's thinking of a house. Which house? Acts chapter 7. Carlos Sabrade. Verse 44. <laughs> Look at this. He said, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. Look at this. He said, Our fathers, they had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. Now, at this time, Stephen is giving an expose, and Stephen is still talking about a house. That shows how important a house is to God. He said, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness, and he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. Verse 45. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus unto the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers unto the days of David. Verse 46. Who found favor? He's still talking about David. Who found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob? He looked for a house for the God of Jacob. Then verse 47. But Solomon built him a house. Oh, looks like that's all. But truly, the house David built God was not what God was looking for. That was not the house he was looking for. There was an actual house that he was looking for. What is the house? How be it? He's explaining now. How be it? The most high dwelleth not in temples. Why did David want to build a house? Because the gods of those days, they all had big, big temples. So David looked around and said, Ah, but my God is greater than all of them. I'll build him a house. God was moved by what David did. But David was not 100% correct because he did not have the revelation that God does not live in temples. That temple he built for the ark of God. God said, It's fine. You have a good idea. I love what you did. But you see, that's not where I live. He said, How be it? The most high dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as said the prophet. Verse 49 Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house? will you bid me say the Lord or what is the place of my rest verse 50 had not my hand made all these things verse 51 ye stiff necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears ye do always resist the Holy Ghost as your father always do now at this time he talks he says the prophet says and that is coming from actually Isaiah chapter 66 verse 1 he says that heaven is my throne the earth is my footstool which house will you build me which house will you build me which house will you build me there was a temple there's another temple God was looking for there was another temple that God was looking for. And that is why Jesus Christ came. Jesus Christ came to make men the temple of God. That is where God wanted to live. That is where God wanted to stay. That is the house that God wanted us to build him. Not a house made with hands, but a, a house which is men. David saw it in Psalm 8 verse 4. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Do you understand that scripture? He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The word mindful there means your mind is full of him. When God is sitting in heaven, he's not thinking about heaven's throne. He's not thinking about the street of gold. He's not thinking about the money in heaven. He's not thinking about the angels. God is sitting in heaven and he's thinking about human beings. That is what he's thinking about. That is what he's thinking about. God sits in heaven. He said, what is man that thou art mindful of him? God's mind is full of people. That is God's house. That is what God wants. God wants people. God is not interested in building you a business. God is not interested in making your life good. God is interested in people. I'll show you something that he said to Moses. In Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. God, oh, oh, Moses did not know that on the day that he was put on the water, on the day that he was put on the water, God caused Pharaoh's daughter to save him. And God was not causing Pharaoh's daughter to save him because of him, Moses. It was not about him, Moses. It was because God's about to do something for people. Exodus chapter 3, verse 7. When God spoke to Moses, he said, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people. 
scripture in Egypt. He didn't say, I have seen Moses. You have great ambition. I'll make you a prophet. He said, no. This is where this thing is coming from. This is where ministry is coming from. This is where ministry is born. It's not about you. It's not about you wanting to have a name. This is where it is born. He said, I have seen the affliction of my people. Not you, Moses. It is the affliction of my people. One day God will move to David. Second Samuel chapter 5. He went to David. In Second Samuel chapter 5. Verse 11, and Hiram the king of Tyre sent messengers to David and cedar trees and carpenters and masons and they built David a house. Hold this, hold this, hold this, hold this. At this time, David has become king. He has become king. So other kings wanted to join the coronation. They all came around. Oh, David is a king. David is a king. Because the kings of the, of the heathen, that is all they know. Once they know the king, everybody should serve me. Everybody should lie down before me. So they thought, oh, David is now a king. Let us go and make alliance with David. So they will go clapping. David is a king. David is a king. They b- begin to give him gifts. Begin to give him gifts. But David saw something in verse 12. He said, and David, he, he didn't follow the things they were giving him. He was not following the things they were giving him. He said, and David perceived that the Lord had established him king over Israel and that he had exalted his kingdom for his people Israel's sake. Not because of him, David. While they were dashing David things, David began to think, he said, this thing is not because of me. They read the, the clapping they are clapping for me. It's not me. It's not me, David. It's not because of me, David. The clapping they are clapping for me is because of God's people. God made me king because of his people. That means God's eyes are on the people. God is thinking about the people. God is not thinking about trying to make me big or trying to give me a name. God is trying to take care of his people. That is why he made me a king. Let's go to Joseph in Genesis chapter 45, verse 6. Now at this time, imagine you are Joseph. Your brother sold you into Egypt. They sold you into slavery. You are in Potiphar's house. After many years, you are now a king. And your brothers come to you. What are you going to say? Look at yourself. Let's not lie. You know what you will tell them? You look at them. Say this before, I will punish them. I will show them. If you want to know whether you will say that or not, check out for the people who said you can never drive. And today you are driving. The way you drive past them. Sometimes when you see them walking, you, you splash the water. Then you roll down and say, sorry. Look at it. Now, th- this is what Joseph said. Now, these are, these are men of God. Ha. He said, for these two years, had the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall neither be any nor harvest. Verse 7. And God sent me. God, David is, uh, Joseph is talking to his brothers. He, he said, no, you people were selling me. You were not selling me. He said, God sent me before you. To preserve a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph is telling him, he said, you were, you were selling me. You are not selling me. That's why I'm not angry with you. I'm not angry with you because you are not selling me. God sent me. And he didn't just send me to Egypt just to become a prime minister. He sent me to Egypt because of Israel. He wanted to save Israel. That is why he sent me. So me, Joseph, I know that this thing is not about me. It's actually about people. Let's look at Solomon. In 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 11. He said, God said Solomon. Now, hold, hold on. When you look at this one, when you look at this one, what comes to your mind? What immediately comes to your mind is, ah, when God spoke to Solomon, he said, what do you want? <laughs> why did God grant Solomon's request? Why was God, why was God moved? He said, Solomon, what do you want? Solomon said, give me wisdom. So that I will rule your people. Some people don't know the code. When you are 
not talking to God, they are codes. Once it is about you, foul. Offside. God, prosper me. Let all my enemies see that you are God. He is God, whether your enemies see it or not. God, don't let your name be ashamed. Him, God. His name be ashamed. You are the one to be ashamed. You are about to be ashamed. And ensure that when he asked Solomon, Solomon said, your people are great people. I will need wisdom. Because Solomon knew, David had taught him, that God is all about the people. God is about the people. When God sees people, he's moved. He's moved. He's moved. You're all about them. Now look at all these guys. Look at all these guys. So then, if God is about the people, if God loves the people, if God is thinking of the people, what do we do for the people? What do we do for the people? That is where now we come to. What do we do for the people? What do we do for the people? So I say, oh, then let's go and dash the people money. Let me tell you something about God. God is not a man. Eric, come, let me show you something. You see this young man? If he is not saved, eh? if he is not saved, and he's on the verge of dying, and I'm showing you this is God and his mind. He's not saved, and he's on the verge of dying, and there is food here, and there's someone to lead him to Christ. God will prefer that this one will lead him to Christ, and he dies. Now for him to eat and live and maybe not give his life to Christ. Because God is an eternal God. He doesn't think the way we think. He is thinking of an eternal thing. He, do you know what the Bible says in the book of Daniel? He said some people will be, will be in Daniel chapter 12. He said some will go into everlasting condemnation. Do you understand what it means of everlasting condemnation? Listen, with all the people seated here, there should not be an unsaved soul in this country. I'm telling you. Because if you truly know what God wants, you see, somebody's birthday, don't go and give him what you like. Someone's birthday, don't go and give him what, if you want to really make God, we want to give God what he wants. He's showing you what he wants. He wants to live inside men. That is what he wants. So anytime, imagine, when, when has it been said, when has it been said in the Bible, anytime it has been said that there's party in heaven, there's no time there's party in heaven, except when the soul is saved. He said, when a soul is saved, there's rejoicing in heaven. Everybody begins to dance. Every, in heaven, everybody, because they all know that is what God wants. That's what their boss wants. So when, once a soul is saved, everybody is jumping. Look at the analogy Jesus Christ gave us. He said, a man with hundred sheep, one goes away. He said, he will leave the 99. He will leave the 99 and go and look for that one that he will bring him back to the fold. Somebody said, why will you leave 99 for one? Why will you leave 99 for one? It does not make sense. The only time it makes sense is when that one is you. God is looking for souls. God is looking for men. He's not looking for your car. He's not looking for your car. Not the latest car you are driving. God is not interested. You cannot, you cannot impress God with that. God is an eternal God. He's thinking of the soul of men. This is what the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 4. He, the book of Acts chapter 4 verse 12. He said, neither is there salvation in any other. But there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. God is looking for the salvation of men. God is looking at the salvation of, of men. Some of you, you, are, you, you have friends who are not saved and they can be your friends. Your friends are not saved and they are gently your friends. Oh, you missed it. You missed it. You missed a big thing. You missed a big thing. You missed a big thing. Anytime, anytime, someone... Who wins souls? Anytime he walks, he walks. You know how God sees his legs. Let me tell you how God sees his legs. You might think the day you wake up like this, you say, Today I'm going out to win souls. Today I'm going to talk to somebody. You, everybody might think everything is normal. You want to see what his legs look like? Go to Isaiah 52. You see what his legs look like. 
You see what his legs look like? Verse 7. He said, how beautiful upon the mountain. How beautiful upon the mountain. He said, how beautiful upon the mountain. He said, at the feet of him that bringeth good tidings. Good tidings. He said, how beautiful upon the mountain. At the feet. The people who go out to win souls. God said, how beautiful upon the mountain. At the feet of them that bring good tidings. At the feet of them that bring good tidings. God wants people. God, God wants people. One day I was, I, was, I was preaching somewhere and I said somewhere, the person said, oh, me, I will not win souls. Me, I will give. I said, who wants your money? Who wants your money? What are you thinking? Are you thinking we are poor? You think because we are poor, we go out to win souls? We don't go out to win souls because we are, we are broke. It's because how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet of them that bring a good tidings, that publish a peace, that bring a good tidings of good, that publishes salvation, that saith unto Zion, that God reign it. Why do we spend so much money to have meetings? How, why do we spend so much money to have programs? Why do we spend so much money? Let me tell you, I discovered a secret. Anytime people are involved in something, I'm not afraid to put out my money because I know God will definitely give it to me back because that's what God wants. Anytime people are involved in something, I remember many years ago, I was about to have a crusade. I was about to have a crusade and the crusade ground was almost full. Then one of my cell leaders called me at the time. I was a fellowship leader. My, my cell leader called me. He said, sir, we have two buses full, but we don't have money. I said, eh? You have two buses full and you don't have money to bring them, so you are standing there. I said, do you know God? If God sees, if God sees people, do you know what happens to him? Why do you think miracles happen in crusades? God likes crowd. Listen, the Bible says that where the carcasses are, he said, that's where the eagles gather. Anytime you see people gathered like this, spirits have interest. Anytime you see people gathered, spirits have interest. <laughs> Anytime you see people gathered, spirits have interest. Spirits have interest. They're all thinking, the devil is thinking, what can I do here? God is also thinking, what can I do here? Ah, give your area to God. Give your area to God. Don't say I'm a shy. Don't say I'm shy. Give your area to God. Go and take over your area for God. You don't have anything to say. Start with your salvation testimony. Start with what happened to you at camp. Say, when I went to camp, oh, something happened to me. I was shaking. I was shivering. Men and brethren, God is real. Give your area to God. Give your area to God. Don't give God what he does not want. Don't give God what he doesn't want. A crippled soul is a soul. A blind soul is a soul. Yesterday I told I gave you an instruction. Today I'm about to give you an instruction. Yes, I gave you an instruction. At least, I said, when will you do your first 10 hours of prayer? You start planning for it. Today, today, we will pray a certain prayer. You're going to look for 10 of your stubborn friends who have refused to serve God. You're going to write their names down. By the time this year is ending, they will be in the ushering department. They will be in the choir. They will be in the, they will be in the protocol. They will be in church with us. They will be serving God. They will be praying for hours like us. How beautiful upon the mountain at the feet. How beautiful upon the mountain at the feet. When the soul winner walks out, God has not seen a soul winner going out. He said, how beautiful upon the mountain. That person's feet is beautiful. It's beautiful. He said, that bringeth good tidings. Good tidings. What's the good tidings? Good tidings. He said, he brings good tidings. He said, he published peace. What peace? What peace? One day, recently, I went to the, I was at the police headquarters. You know, I was talking to one of the policemen over there. And he said, blessed are the peacemakers. He said, so they police, they will go to heaven. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for this. I said, eh, police will go to heaven. Uh, because blessed are the peacemakers. God is not talking about that kind of peace. 
That's what the peace is talking about. Bible says, and God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. That's the peace he's talking about. Peace between God and men. God is on one side. Because of man's sin, God cannot relate with man. When the man who has beautiful feet comes and says, hey, do you know that God reigned? The person said, eh, I received Jesus Christ. Then peace between God and men. He said, that, uh, <laughs> how beautiful upon the mountain are the feet. All my life, all my life, I've lived it for people. All my life, I've lived it for people. Listen, if I take offering from you here today, I can buy a car. I don't have a car. I don't have a car. I'm not thinking of that. All my life, I've lived it for people. I've lived it for people. I was thinking of people. I was thinking of people. I'm thinking of my area. I remember many years ago, while I was still staying at Adabraka, I went out one day and I saw many of the guys some were smoking weed some were going to the prostitutes I said God help me I was coming from fire conference I said God help me when I was going as I was walking I bypassed them because my heart was shaking because they were smoking I was wondering what would I tell these guys what would I tell these guys I bypassed them that day God did not let me sleep as I went to the bathroom God said go out go and talk to them I said hey God these guys are smoking. He said, go out. Go and talk to them. I was thinking, when I finish batting, I walk out of the bathhouse. I'll go to my room. God said, go out. Go and talk to them. At the point, I said, God, I've surrendered. I'll go and talk to them. I wore my, my clothes. I went out there. You know what? The beautiful, the beautiful thing about God is, when he sends you, it means that he has already made the place ready for you. When I got there, the people were already discussing faith. Imagine we smokers talking about faith. <laughs> they were already talking about faith. Then one of them said, Hey, you, you don't get faith. Make we ask pastor. They used to call me pastor at that time. He said, make we ask pastor Chris. He will tell us about faith. I said, yes, I'll tell you about faith. Then I started from Jesus Christ. I began to talk to them about Jesus Christ. I began to tell them about the gospel. That day, 22 of, 22 of them, they all gave their lives to Christ. They followed me to the back to pray. And while they were praying, one of them, one of them, he was smoking. One of them helped when a circle praying, one of them said, because the power of the Holy Ghost had hit him, he said, bro, Reku, bro, Reku, that's what the Holy Ghost can do. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. That's what the Holy Ghost can do. We are giving God souls. We are giving God people. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the only time that prosperity will make sense. Prosperity in this kingdom does not make sense if it is for you. The only time it will make sense is that if it is doing something for God. If it is doing something, it is building houses for God. When I'm talking about houses, I'm not talking about physical houses. I'm talking about building houses for God. Why do we spend so much money? Do you know how much money we spend to organize the Matica night? Do you know how much money we spend to organize Super Sunday? That kind of money should not leave young people. But you see, the passion to see souls saved. On that day, when that woman who had stroke came forward, and she says she was healed, and the, and, his, and the son was crying. How much money can we pay for a changed life? The same way you bring a song, listen, the same way you bring a song to God, eh? the same way you brought your love to God, the same way you brought your praise to God, the same way you brought your, pray, praise, your, your prayers to God, the same way you brought your plans to God. Now it is time to bring people to God. Oh, Pastor Enoch. I don't know where to start. This is the instruction. You will tell yourself, Lord, between now and the end of the year, I will give you 10 people. 
Not 10 people to just come to church. I'm going to watch over them in church. They are going to go to foundation school. I'm going to see them. They are going to become like me. 10, just 10. Just 10. If you can do 100, good, great. But 10, everybody here. Everybody, you have to make up your mind that where is my 10? Where is my 10 for God? Yesterday, I said 10 hours of prayer. Today, 10 people. You're going to start planning about it. You're going to start thinking about it. Before the year ends, I said, God, I'm going to see 10 people that I want, 10 people that I prayed to, 10 people that I prayed for, 10 people who received the Holy Spirit, 10 people who are going to join me in church, 10 people who are going to go to foundation school, 10 people who are going to think like me, 10 people who are going to give like me, 10 people who are going to be passionate about God like me. By the time this year is ending, you should look at the year and say, God, have you seen my gift to you? Have you seen my gift to you? These are the 10. Lord, these are the 10. Lord, this is what I have done for you. This is what I have done for you. This is what I have done for you. Oh. Oh, that men will understand this. That is what, this is what God is interested in. This is what God is interested in. Many years ago, some of us, we never go to church alone. I cannot go to church alone. Those times, you cannot go. How were you comfortable? You picked an Uber, you were the only one sitting in it. Throughout the week, throughout the week, you didn't do anything for God. Because if you had done something for God, you carry the person to church with you. But you, you sat in an Uber alone. And you went to church alone. You know, thinking of God. Carry a soul. Put the soul in your car. When you get there, and let me tell you, this is how I relate with God. When I get there, I will tell God, I said, God, have you seen? I've given you one person. I'll write it down. God, I'll give you another person. I'll write it down. God, I'll give you another person. I'll write it down. He said, he that repeats, receiveth wages. If, if a man wins souls, God pays him. That's what we don't know. God pays him. God pays him. He said, the one who reaps the harvest, he receiveth wages. Listen, the end time is near. God doesn't have any, anybody. God cannot use Coca-Cola to preach the gospel. God cannot use GH1 to preach the gospel. God cannot use them. I'm telling you today. Because the preaching of the gospel is a privilege that God gave men. Remember, Jesus knocked down Paul at Damascus when he knocked him down. When Jesus knocked Paul down, Jesus did not preach to Paul. Jesus could not preach. He said, go to Ananias. He will tell you something. Because the gospel cannot flourish in the mouth of angels. The gospel will not flourish in the mouth of God. The gospel is the secret weapon that has been given to men talk about God. Talk about God. Where have you stepped to that you did not talk about God? I'm not shy to talk about God. In a taxi, I will talk about God. In an Uber, I will talk about God. In a trot, I will talk about God. Listen, me that you are seeing here, I've preached in schools. I've preached in communities. I've preached in, I've preached in different places. I've preached in secondary schools. I've preached in primary schools. I've, pre- I've preached in kindergarten before. Every soul is a soul. Small soul, big soul, the value is the same. All these my leaders you are seeing here who are doing mighty things for God now. I caught most of them in secondary school. What if I did not go? This guy probably will be somewhere wasting his life. What if I did not go? Now, this guy, out of him, we have the online church. Over 200 nations have joined us. 200 countries have joined this camp. This guy, I, I, I caught him in Presec. I caught him in Presec. I went to preach in Presec. I was not shy. I went there. I gathered them in the classroom. And I was preaching to them. I preached to them for three days. I was going every day with my suit that was tightening me. And I'll go, I'll preach as though the whole world is for me. 
I preach to them there. I preach to them there. I preach to them there. I preach to them. I preach to them. I caught this young man in St. Peter's. Where's Rich King? I caught this young man in St. Peter's. Today, see what he's doing for the Lord. You should see what he's doing for God. Where's Nana? I was not shy. I was not afraid. Have you seen Pastor Claude? Pastor Claude? Secondary school. I saw him in secondary school. They didn't look like there can be anything. But remember, a man is a temple of God. If God lives inside there, it will be beautiful. When Nana came to church, she was about writing BEC. You can imagine. So let's see what they are doing for God. This is what God wants. God wants people. God wants men. Oh, how do you walk from, from, with, how do you leave camp and went to your house and you did not even talk to one person about Jesus? God has wasted the investment. That is what we give God. What does God want? God wants souls. God wants souls. Who's going to give him souls? You see? God wants souls. God wants souls. God wants souls. Oh, pastor, I'm not a cell leader. You don't have to be a cell leader. The preaching of the gospel has not been given to cell leaders. It has been given to Christians. You don't have to be a cell leader. You tell yourself, God, at the end of this year, I'll give you 10. Then, every, every time in the year, you are looking, have I gotten my 10? Now, I'm not saying 10 people you just brought to church. 10, you are watching over. They have come to church again. They are in foundation school. They are in church. They have joined us from. Give God 10 and see what God does with your life next year. Just 10. Just 10. Just 10. Just 10. Just 10. Just 10 for God. 10 souls. 10 souls. 10 souls. Some of you can do more than that. I know. Many of you here, you can do more than that. You can do more than that. 10 souls. 10 souls. 10 souls. 10 souls. I'm entering the prophetic night from here. God says something to me. God says something to me. He said, Enoch, we are about to witness some of the greatest salvation stories ever. Oh, I thought you would, you, you would be excited about it. We are about to witness some of the greatest salvation testimonies ever. We are about to witness some of the greatest salvation stories ever. Salvation is coming to your friends. It's coming to your friends. It's coming to your family. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. I've written 10 names of my cousins. Of my cousins. Some of them I know who are not saved. I've written their names down. We are about to pray that prayer now. Write, your, write the 10 down. 10 people you know that must be saved. Write it down now. We are about to pray that prayer. And God will answer that prayer today. Salvation is not hereditary. So my father is a pastor, so I'm saved. You are not saved. Salvation is not hereditary. I feel the power of God, I tell you. I feel the power of God. After you finish writing, we'll be praying for the next 30 minutes.
you pick a spot. You pick a spot. You're going to use tears. Don't cry. As you, as you speak in the tongues, you mention the person's name. Kwisiata. Shaka Moske. Shaka Moske. Kwisiata. Obaya. Some of you have more than 10, right? Add it. Listen, by next camp, they'll be here with us. Because angels of salvation have been released for us. We're going to see amazing salvation testimonies. Some of them, they will sleep, they will dream, they will see Jesus. I'm telling you, I was hearing a testimony last night. I jumped out of my bed. He was a Muslim. He went to our Christmas church in Abuja. We entered the church and they took him to first timers department. When the guy entered, the Muslim entered the first timers department, are you ready to receive the Holy Ghost? They laid us on him. The guy went unconscious. He didn't know when he started speaking in tongues. Nobody told him to speak in tongues. He started speaking in tongues. Then he went home. 3 a.m. He's sleeping with his friend. In his sleep, he was speaking in tongues. He woke up speaking in tongues. Then his friend said, what are you saying? You are saying something. Then he said, oh, sorry, sorry. He slept again. Again, he started speaking in tongues. Another one I had. Another Muslim. He went to the church there. He gave his life to Christ. His family said they will kill him. They poisoned his food. He did not die. They injected him with something. He did not die. They shot him. He did not die. Someone like that. Can you tell him Jesus is not real? We want to hear testimonies. That some of our friends were going to club. While they were going to club, they saw an angel. They saw an angel. And they told they don't tell them, please don't go again. Don't go again. I prophesy. They will call you and say, take me to church. I said, they will call you and say, take me to church. God will begin to frustrate all their life in the world. God will begin to frustrate all their life in the world. To be a frustration. They'll begin looking for God. And you'll be the first person they'll call. And when they call you, you say, follow me. Let's go. Let me take you to Jesus. 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 Is your list ready? Is your list ready? Are you ready for the next 30 minutes of prayer? Your list is ready. As you pray, as you pray, don't pray with dry eyes. Pray with compassion. Passion. Compassion. You mention the person's name as you are praying. You mention, you say, Kwesiata, you are joining me to church. You don't know why I'm mentioning Kwesiata like that. Because I've invited Kwesiata to church three times. He has not come. He's my cousin. I've invited him three times. He didn't come. Kwesiata. I mention your name in this camp, Kwesiata. The day Kwesiata will come to church, I will show him to you. I said, this is Kwesiata. Kwesiata will be on fire. Kwesiata will join the protocol department. <laughs> Kwesiata will love God. See, I'm, help, I'm, I'm getting you to join me to pray for Kwesiata. Oh, Kwesiata. You are my purpose for being now. Day when I need you, I still bring 
know the song, let's sing it together. You my purpose, say. Mention their name. 